we've had a lot of people asking us about PRT, pivotal response training. Um, what right. it is, does it go hand in hand with ABA? When, when, who, when is it good? When should we be using it? So fill us in, um, tell us what PRT is. All right, so within applied behavior analysis, there's lots of different procedures that we use for teaching skills. Um, everything's based on the principles of learning. And um, one of the more, I guess, um, structured ways that we teach is discrete trial training. And people talk about that and they're used to that, but it's more like um, repeated practice, working on the same things over and over again, providing sometimes arbitrary reinforcers, things like that. So there's this whole other line which is all natural environment type of teaching strategies. And um, PRT is just one of those, pivotal response training. And it was pretty much developed by Lynn and Robert Cagle um, from UCSB in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea behind it and why they call it pivotal is because they are looking at certain areas in which they think you get more bang for your buck. So for example, focusing on things like um, motivation and um, something they call responsivity to multiple cues, which basically means making sure that you're bringing in lots of different stimuli and targets, not always working on the same things. Um, also teaching things that, have to, that lead into self-management as well as self-initiation. And so within PRT, um, they have some core features that they kind of deal with um, that separated a little bit out from the discrete trial methodologies. Um, specifically, it's more of a play-based intervention um, strategy approach. You let the child make a lot more choices. They can actually be involved in choosing what targets they're going to work on, what order they're going to work on things. Um, kids can take the lead a, bit, a little bit more. Um, they also make sure that they're varying up the task. So constantly using different stimuli, different instructions, not always doing things the same way, and interspersing all of those with maintenance tasks as well. Um, sometimes within discrete trial training, one procedure that has been used, it's not necessarily um, a part of what defines discrete trial training, but um, in its early days, they did something called mass trials, which is where they worked on the same thing over and over and over again. So yeah. um, I don't believe necessarily that that's what defines DTT today, right. but um, when PRT came out, that was one of their things that they suggested was that we intersperse this with other things. Um, and then the reinforcers are very natural, so they have to do with what the kids actually care about. And so that's how they're able to make it more play-based and uh, more naturalistic because they kind of let the child take the lead. They see what they're interested in. They contrive situations to get the kids to communicate, and then they give them the items that they wanted uh, to begin with, as opposed to in other strategies where you're not using this type of approach, maybe um, the reinforcer you give has nothing to do with. Um, the thing you're teaching at the moment. Okay, so my question for you, I think I got spoiled as a parent because I was a card parent. Center for Autism and Related Disorders, is, they were who treated my son. And I got a vast array of all of these things. We had the highest quality ABA, so they did some DTT when it was appropriate. Mm -hmm. They did natural environment training. <clears throat> they did pivotal response training. They did all of these things. Um, and, and my child flourished wonderfully. But we get questions all the time from people about, should I do ABA or pivotal response training? I'm thinking they should be asking their ABA provider, do you do pivotal response? Yeah. The, the problem is, is that, like I said, it's just one of the um, types of naturalistic procedures within the ABA umbrella. 
Um, the thing is, is it's pretty much been branded, and that's why it's called PRT. And sometimes when you see these brands out there, people get confused. They don't realize they're just a part of applied behavior analysis. They think there's something separate. And in reality, it's just like I said, it's using the principles of learning, but it's using it in more naturalistic ways. Okay. And these guys have basically carved out something for themselves where they've defined specific features, and then they have their brand. The pivotal response training brand. But in reality, naturalistic procedures, they have many different brand names. Okay. They can be called um, incidental teaching, manned model, natural language paradigm. Um, there's lots of these different things, natural environment training. But in reality, a lot of them have very similar features. They might have like their own one little thing that they add on to it here or there and stuff like that. So if, they're, if you're talking about, does my kid need DTT or NET or PRT, don't get too confused over all that. What they need is applied behavior analysis. Good and, quality Yeah, ABA. And yeah. a good quality one doesn't necessarily just only do one of these things. Yeah. And also, it's not completely black or white. It's not like you say, OK, um, my kid is going to get DTT or my kid is going to get NET, and none of, none of the either. So, when you're, when you're doing this, a lot of times um, a very good clinician is actually smart enough to know how to weave in and out of the two. Yes. So in some moments, you cannot teach something using a naturalistic procedure. Right. There's just not a way to contrive the situation. Yeah. Um, you can do your best, but not always is it possible. And if you only use naturalistic procedures and you only wait for these opportunities, you don't get enough practice trials. Right. So sometimes, even in the naturalistic setting, you need to step up and do a couple of the thing, you know, trials in a row to get repeated practice. If we're not practicing, if I'm with someone for two hours and I work on something twice, what is the likelihood that they're going to actually get anything out yeah. of it? So someone needs to be flexible enough to move in and out and see how they can incorporate all of this into one.